0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, brought to you by Sports Ethos. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up on the Twitter machine at JoeArrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. You hit me up there. Follow me over there. You never miss a show. You never miss any of my threads, any of my articles. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out on Twitter, It's the Monday through Friday podcast, the Twitter stuff, which I haven't been quite as active with recently. I've had COVID. I've been kind of knocked down a little bit. So I haven't been quite as active on Twitter, but that'll be starting to ramp back up. I started again last night with the threads, And uh, the last thing is my articles. Every Sunday, I release an article on SportsEthos.com, which gets shared out on Twitter. You guys can see it on either side if you go to the website or if you go to my Twitter. I always tweet it out a few times, so you guys can check it out there. This week, I just rhymed off 11 players with some notes that can be added for a bit of a boost this week. And, of course, uh, going forward, there's a couple of longer-term options, a couple of shorter-term options. So go ahead and check it out there. Uh, it's the most recent tweet right now on my Twitter account. So today, we're going to be looking back. For those of you who regularly listen to the show, uh, there will be no changes, really, in the standard Monday format. going to look back at some of yesterday's top performers. We'll look ahead to a couple of today's pitching matchups. We will do a little bit of a waiver-wire deep dive, and then, of course, we will talk about two-start pitchers, which is my favorite subject here on Monday. Add a guy once, and you get to use him twice. So that is always something that people are interested in. It's always something that's very valuable. You get two starts out of one ad, So we will touch on that closer to the end of the show. Let's start off with some of the top performers from yesterday. So Alex Wood, he was one of the people I mentioned in my thread yesterday. Wood is someone who has been very unlucky this whole season. If you look at the BABIP and the left-on-base percentages, they're starting to recover now, but they've been terrible like the whole year. Uh, he's been, like his teammate Alex Cobb, two of the unluckiest people in all of baseball. Would seven strong shutout innings, uh, striking out eight, three hits, one walk. He needs to be added where available. He's only about 50% rostered. He needs to be added. Uh, I'm expecting a stronger second half from him. Like I said, uh, he was a victim of a lot of bad luck. He's in a very good organization for pitching development and mechanic work and tinkering really is the best word. Uh, They bring in guys from other destinations. I know Wood was there last year, but they bring in these guys who have not had quite as much success in other places, and they tend to be able to do something. They tend to be able to work their magic over there. So, so far, it has not been the greatest season. Uh, The ERA is currently at 443 but going forward, I expect strong things from Wood. He's got one more start left in the first half. It'll be against Milwaukee uh, later this week at home. I think he's a strong ad for that start and going forward as well. Uh, for moving on here, Wilmer Flores is another guy who is a bit of a polarizing fantasy player. He's not the sexiest player uh, in terms of his production. But he's actually been pretty valuable so far this season. He hit two home runs yesterday. He got up 12 on the season. He has a combined total of 90 runs and RBIs, 43 runs, 47 RBIs, and a two forty-nine batting average. That's totally serviceable. He has eligibility at first, second, and third. That can be really valuable just to have on your bench or even as a back-end starter. Maybe he can be like your weakest starter, but his best role, I think, is as a bench guy where you can just plug him in when one of your regulars has a day off. Like I said, you can put him at first, second, or third. He's a very underrated fantasy asset. He's just outside the top 200, or sorry, just outside the top 150 rankings on the season. He's very valuable. I mean, like I said, he's not a sexy player. His name is not going to be a household name in a lot of places, but he can still plug in a, a hole for you there, give you some value. Carlos Santana is the next guy we will talk about from yesterday. He hit a couple of home runs yesterday. He was a Jays killer. He was a total Jays killer this weekend. Three home runs over the last two games, uh, just just killed us. Five RBIs. He scored four times. He was also hit by a pitch. He did a wonderful job uh, in helping the Mariners to sweep the Blue Jays. Now, with Santana, I worry, well, for one, that this is just like a nice little stretch he's going on here, and it's not really going to stay. We've seen poor numbers from him most of the year. Batting average-wise, he's only at .228. He's obviously not going to be stealing any bases. He's going to be probably playing most days, but I wouldn't expect him to play every single day. And he, he plays at a first-base position where there's, there's not lacking for value. There's a lot of first basemen out there, even who are on the waiver wires, who don't draw a lot of interest, like your Christian Walkers and, you know, Rowdy Teles to a lesser extent. He started to be added more recently. But first base, there are guys who should be rostered at first base who just aren't because the position is too crowded. And Carlos Santana is going to probably fall into that category. Now, if you want to add him in the interim here, well, he's on a little bit of a tear. By all means, uh, if you guys have a rotating streaming spot in your lineup and you just, you know, the hottest player in baseball gets rotated in every week. He's not the hottest player in baseball, but if you can't get one of those other guys who's on a tear like Aaron Hicks or whatnot, uh, you know, I would be all right with Santana in the short term. Now, I prefer him in, as a deeper league guy, yes, but I think he'll have a little bit of value here. I don't think he'll be crazy, but I think he'll have some value. Uh, Taiwan Walker went seven innings, seven strikeouts yesterday, uh, just three hits and one walk. He also hit a guy with a pitch, but we're not going to hold that against him. He has been an absolutely fantastic over the last month, 185 ERA. On the season, it's at 263, and the periphery numbers are all right. They're not the greatest, but, I mean, I talked about this on Twitter a while back. I put out a thread about Taiwan Walker. God, it was got to be two or three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it was like the, the 23rd of June. And just talking about how he's got fairly sustainable BABIP numbers, uh, the four-seamer usage has been reduced, and it seemed to be working for him. Uh, His split finger has been fantastic this season. Uh, There's a lot of good. So even though some of the advanced numbers, the StatCast page is not the greatest looking, uh, he's still been able to provide a ton of value, especially recently. I hope you guys went and scooped him up when you could because now his roster percentage is closing in on like 85%. Very hard to actually find him available anywhere. That being said, if you did grab him, Walker has been fantastic. I understand if you want to try and sell, but I don't think that it'll hurt you to try and just just hold on to him for the rest of the season either. He's already matched his win total from last season. Much lower ERA. The whip is a touch lower. Uh, He's doing everything that you could hope for, especially for someone who was likely a waiver wire acquisition. So Strong job there for Taiwan Walker. I don't think he's still available. Check if he is. Maybe he is if you're in a shallower league. But for the most part, there's not really a fantasy move to be made with him right now. Uh, Herman Marquez, I've talked about him quite a bit. And shout out to my friend Michael Gauvier, who's been on this show, talked about Herman Marquez, I believe, on that appearance when he was here, which was about a month ago now, I think we had Michael on. Maybe a bit longer than a month, actually. And, you know, one thing with Herman Marquez is that you can't start him at home. You cannot start him at Coors Field. He's going to burn you. Uh, That's what we've seen to this point in the season. His home stats are pretty dreadful. The ERA at home, 7.17. That's at home. Uh, On the road, 4.22. So you're looking at a three-run difference there from what he's been able to give you on the road. Last night on the road in Arizona, seven innings, uh, struck out four, gave up two earned runs. Very serviceable. I think in the second half of the season, he's going to have – Maybe not a ton of value, but he'll be a very serviceable streamer, specifically on the road. When he gets away from Coors, if there's ever a two-start week where both starts are away from Coors, I would add him in a heartbeat. Now, if you have one start away and one start at Coors, maybe in a two-start week, depending on opponent, I'd probably add him. Let's Let's say he's starting at home against, I don't know, the Diamondbacks and away against... Whoever, San Francisco or something, yeah, I'd be, I'd be all right with that. Like, it just kind of depends on the combo. If you're looking at a Coors field start, it's, a, it's a little dangerous. And if there's two Coors starts in a week, that I'm staying away. But given the right one, uh, or obviously two, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to add Hermann Marquez. Just you, you need to be a little bit cautious about him, but at the same time, uh, uh, I like him. I like, I like Marquez. I think he's undervalued because he pitches at Coors, and that can really really drive down the value of your pitchers just because, obviously, the environment is very conducive to strong to strong batting, to not just power but also average. It raises your batting average to play in Colorado, and you're bound to hit more home runs. Let's talk about Eric Lauer for a second, who a lot of people were right on the edge of dropping uh, like even a week ago. But he had a two-start week this week, uh, Monday and Sunday, and he did a very good job. So yesterday against the Pirates, it was five innings, six hits, two earned runs, and he struck out seven. The start on Monday against the Cubbies six innings, two hits, one earned run, two walks, struck out nine. So, if you're looking at the week as a whole, 11 innings, 16 strikeouts, three walks, three earned runs absolutely, you will take that. No question. Uh, Lauer does not is not done yet. I think that is the main thing we need to take away here. Uh, a lot of people, you know, the last four starts before these previous two. Uh, we had three earned runs, five earned runs, four earned runs, eight earned runs, not reaching 100 pitches in any of them, not striking out more than five in any of them. Now, we saw earlier in the season 13 strikeouts, 11, 8. Uh, he can hit those high numbers, and we saw that more in these last couple of outings. So he's not cooked. He's not finished for the season. He had us worried there. He had me very worried for a little while. But uh, these, this last week was very solid for him. He gave you a two four five 5 ERA, 1.00 whip. Uh, If he is available, he's a strong ad. I don't think that he's going to be available too many places, but I think yesterday I checked he was like 70-some-odd percent rostered. There are some leagues where he's just floating around out there. Make sure that's not your league if it is. Uh, Max Castillo for the Blue Jays. He did a very good job, four and a a third, uh, one earned run on three hits, struck out three. I'm assuming he's going to get a start this week against the Royals. If he does, he's an interesting streamer. He's not a must-add, but he's just someone to keep an eye on. I think that there's going to be some interest there, at least out of me, for sure. Uh, Brian Hayes had himself a very nice day, just a triple short of the cycle. He has not had a, a ton of power this season, only four home runs, but he's got nine steals. He's driven in 26, 251 batting average. He's been all right. He's not been what you would have hoped for, but, I mean, games like this steer you more in the right direction. He can hit a lot higher than 250. He's capable of being like a 280-plus hitter. The power is not really there, but the speed is. So, I mean, he's still a good fantasy asset, but overall, a little bit disappointing for Cabrian Hayes. Uh, I know I have a lot of shares, and uh, I kind of wish I didn't have so many at this point. I'm not, like I said, he's been fine, but I think that we were hoping for a little bit more coming into the year. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, we'll talk about Sandy for a second. Seven innings, only four strikeouts for Sandy. He's not a massive strikeout guy, and he does bounce around, but... It's always weird when someone who is like him can go either 10 or 12 or 14 strikeouts like we've seen this year, or he can literally have three or four. Uh, it's, it's very strange when there's that kind, of, uh, that kind of fluctuation in strikeout numbers. But he still had a strong outing, uh, six hits, zero earned runs, one walk, like I said, the four Ks. And I think the key here is that he threw 93 pitches. I love if they keep that going. I really hope that they will, because it's just not sustainable in today's MLB, for a pitcher to go out there every single time and throw 115, 110, 120 pitches. It's just too much on the arm. It's too much on the body. Every single outing, he's going seven or eight innings, and sometimes even nine innings. There's a couple of complete games this season. So, uh, yeah, three times he's gone nine innings this year. It's just a lot. It's, it's a lot of mileage to put on a guy. He's already at 130 innings at the All-Star break, uh, and he'll have one more start before the All-Star break too, so let's call it 140. 37 innings or something he's going to have that's that's a lot they need to start using him more in these six seven inning games uh you know if he's got the pitch countdown and he wants to go eight or nine I guess I just worry down the stretch specifically if you're talking about a head-to-head league uh it's going to get to the fantasy playoffs and then you're going to kind of be screwed a little bit perhaps like first off the Marlins are not going to be making the playoffs they're just not I'm sorry for Marlin fans you guys are not going to the postseason, and if you are, uh, it'll be it'll be a bow out in the wild card round. I actually haven't checked wild card standings recently, so maybe I'm speaking out of my ass here. But eh, they're only four games back. I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they're not making the playoffs. That just seems logical to assume so. Uh, with the Phillies ahead, the Padres, the Braves, the Cardinals, uh, the Giants, it'll be it'll be an uphill battle for sure. Are they really going to go out there in the last couple weeks of the season when it is fantasy playoffs and just kill him seven, eight innings, what we've seen to this point in the season, because he likes to pitch? Because you want, like, at that point of the year, it's not going to make sense. Uh, at that point of the year, you're risking either A, a total shutdown, or B, the Freddie Peralta factor from last season, where you have the guy go out there and throw, I don't know, four innings or something every time just to give him a little bit of work. But if if you don't really need the work, if you're just kind of throwing him out there for whatever, it doesn't really it doesn't make sense. I don't know that we're gonna see these 115 pitch outings come September. Uh, I think they'll have scaled him back by then, or he'll have scaled himself back by then due to hopefully knock on wood something hope something does not go wrong. Uh, I I phrased that poorly, but you guys know what I mean. I'm hoping that there's no tightness, there's no strains, because you're risking that when you get this kind of innings. Uh, 205 innings last year. Obviously, there was the pandemic shortened season before then, and then we had 197 innings. So they they push this guy. I'm a little worried long term if they don't curb the pitches a little bit, that he will suffer for it. So last night, 93 pitches. I like it a lot. Uh, I hope to see more of it going forward. I'm not sure that we will, but if this is a sign of things to come, it's definitely a step in the right direction for me. Who else are we going to talk about? Jonathan Scope. So Jonathan Scope, not really from yesterday. He wasn't really yesterday top performer, but I want to just sneak him in here. A lot of people added him for steals because he stole four bases this last week. Previous high in the season for him was two. I hope that you guys didn't add Jonathan Scope expecting steals because it's just not going to happen. I understand looking back, a lot of people will just look at the previous 14 days or 30-day stats, and over the last week, he was the best base stealer. I think Acuna also had four, but Jonathan Scope, uh, a guy who has stolen like 12 bases in his career, and his previous high in a season was two. He had four this past week. Just don't go and add him and thinking, yeah, I'll get a stolen base boost from Jonathan Scope here. No one's adding him. I guess I'll go and pick him up for steals. No, that's not going to happen. He's absolutely not going to be someone who is a steals asset. He's just not. He might give you a little bit of power, maybe. might be able to hit a few more home runs. It's been a pretty poor season at the dish for him. I wouldn't be expecting miracles, and I certainly would not be adding him for speed. So just wanted to touch on him before uh, we kind of move on a little bit here. I think it's important, though. A lot of people get, I'm not going to say duped, but, you know, you, you check out the most recent stats and they're not always going to be a true picture of what's really going on. So just wanted to point that one out there. We're going to be moving on now, guys, to the waiver wire portion of the show where I go through maybe 10 guys who've been added and 10 guys who've been dropped. Roughly, that's not a, a hard number, just rough, roughly 10 guys on each side most added and most dropped players today, and just a little bit of advice on them. So the first one is Josh Rojas, not the guy you'd really be expecting, but he's seen a 20% jump from last week in his roster percentage. Three straight multi-hit games, he's been hitting homers, he's been stealing, well just a one homer, but he's been stealing bases. He's been getting on base, he's batting four twenty-nine over the last two weeks. I actually wrote about him in my article from Sunday, I hope you guys go check that one out. And I said that he can be a strong addition, not just for the short term, but rest of the season he can be a guy who ends up with about 15 home runs, 15 steals, give or take a couple on either side there. But that kind of production mixed with a good batting average. Granted, he's not in the greatest of lineups, but he's still to this point giving you 60 runs plus RBIs. And you figure he'll probably get up to about 110 combined by the end of the season. Roughly 110, I think that's a, a reasonable expectation for him. Now, I mentioned it earlier when I was talking about Wilmer Flores. I just love these guys that you can kind of plug in everywhere. I find that they're very easy. and Not that I find they are. They're very easy to have on your team because you can just stick them in. There's a lot of guys any given day who are going to have an off day, who are going to be injured, who what, for whatever reason are not playing, and you can stick a guy like Flores or like Rojas in there. So those guys are great bench assets. They're great to have, even as one of your weaker starters. They can have a lot of value. So Rojas for me, uh, he's an ad. Absolutely, he is an ad. Uh, Matt Carpenter continues to be just absurd, and on a per game basis this season. I don't like to do this for baseball, but I'll do it for this for this particular case. He's the 18th-ranked player on a per-game basis. Now, I tend to look at totals more, but with a guy like Carpenter who has missed time, you're looking at what he's doing day in and day out. Only 17 guys have been producing on, on a per-game basis at a better rate than he has. Uh, 10 home runs, 22 RBIs, and a three forty-four batting average. That is in 64 at-bats. Uh, he's scored 17 times as well. He's been unreal. Uh, he's still somehow only 18% rostered. He needs to be added. You guys need to go out there and add him. When he's playing against right-handed pitching, he's a must-start. When he's at home or if he's in a very pitcher- or a hitter-friendly ballpark, then he's absolutely a must-start. Daily Changes League, he's an absolute darling. You can just stick him in there, take him out of the lineup if it's a left-handed pitcher or if he's not playing. I, I Personally, I love Daily Changes Leagues. I think they're the best. I, I'm I'm a more active fantasy player. I understand people who like to set their lineups on Sunday, and then maybe there's a midweek reset on Thursday or Friday, what have you, change them again for the weekend. I'm a big fan of changing them every single day. I think you can put the best product out there, obviously, when you have more uh, opportunities to tinker with your lineup. Take pictures in and out. If you have, you know, maybe an iffy start later in the week, but a for sure thing on Monday or Tuesday, you just start them for that Monday or Tuesday one, right? I, I much prefer daily changes and getting off topic a little bit, but Matt Carpenter is definitely in those formats. He is a must. He's a must-own at the moment, for sure. Alex Cobb is the next guy who's seen a bit of a jump, uh, 6% over the last week, and he's been added. More than 5,000 teams have added him today just on the Yahoo platform. Man, I've been disappointed with Alex Cobb. I mean, if you look over the last month, 19 innings, a 279 ERA, it's all right. There was a couple of decent outings in there. Last time out against Arizona, not good. Four runs, seven hits in six innings. I mean, it it got a little bit better early on. It was terrible the last outing, and then we saw it get a little bit better as the as the start progressed. I'm still I'm still there with Alex Cobb. I will die on this hill. I am willing to take chances on him, even if it doesn't work out, just because the advanced numbers have been so good this year. Uh, similarly to Alex Alex Wood, but Cobb has actually been the superior arm between the two of them. If you look at his strikeout rate, ground ball rate, uh, batting average on balls in play, everything everything indicates to me that Cobb is still going to have some value the second half of the season. So yes, it's been it's been a shit show. It's been an absolute unmitigated disaster shit show in owning Cobb this season. The strikeouts have been all right, 57 innings, 59 strikeouts and the strikeout rate is still very good. But the whip in the ERA and the lack of wins, they've really they've really sucked the life out of your team. So I understand if you're not going to be buying in here. But I would, I would recommend uh, taking a chance on him. Not a terribly tough outing here, you'd hope, against Arizona. He gets them two starts in a row, which I'm not usually a big fan of, but in Cobb's case, I'm willing to make an exception just because I have, I have faith. I have a lot of faith in him, more so than any other underperforming player. Uh, Alex Cobb is someone that I, I think will turn it around, so I would be adding him if you can. He's still available in a lot of spots. Uh, Nolan Jones, he's been added quite a bit. A lot of money was thrown around last night, I saw, on Fab. I think someone threw more than 80 bucks at him in, in Fab. That's a lot of money, man, for a guy who's had 10 at-bats in the major leagues this year. Uh, that's, I'm not willing to take that chance yet. Yeah, he's probably going to bat somewhere in the middle of that, of that Guardians lineup, but I'm not sold yet. I don't think you really need to be taking a chance. There's better options out there uh, for me, anyway. Brad Keller, he's been added quite a bit. He starts today against the Tigers. No, they play a doubleheader. I'm not sure if he gets uh, the early game or the late game. He gets the early game, so the 2.10 p.m. Eastern time. I I like Keller. I don't think that he is necessarily a must-add here. It's a Monday. You set the tone for your week with who you add and who you start early in the week here. So I like to start my own pitchers for the most part Monday and Tuesday and then start to stream later on in the week. Now, obviously, if there's a guy like Cobb, I'll take a chance on him. There's a couple of other guys every now and again I'll take a chance on earlier in the week. But uh, for Keller, I don't. I don't think you really need to. Earlier in the year, I would have told you to jump on him, but now it's—he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I don't think you really need to take a chance on a Monday. Uh, Aaron Hicks. We'll move on to Aaron Hicks. Someone I've also wrote about on the weekend. Uh, a couple of the guys I wrote about. Nice to see them here actually being added. Hicks has been ridiculous over the last month, uh, really, especially over the last week or two. But if you look at the last month, he's still a top hundred player. 14 runs, four dingers, four steals, uh, 15 RBIs, and a two fifty four batting average. That's very serviceable, that mix of home runs and speed. Now, we haven't really seen a ton of speed uh, from him recently. Last year, there was no steals, granted only 108 at-bats. But he's got nine for you so far this season. Uh, the home runs have been all right. Recently, they've been pretty good, uh, like I said, over the last couple of weeks in particular. So over the last 34 at-bats, three home runs. 18 runs plus RBIs, a couple of steals, and a 324 average. If you shorten that even more over the last week, he's batting four twenty-one. He is one of those hot hand guys. Like I said earlier, if there is a spot in your lineup that is solely dedicated to just streaming guys in and out of the lineup, Aaron Hicks is a very strong option right now. Now, long term, I don't know how long this really keeps up. But for now, while he's batting like this, you absolutely need to be adding him. In that lineup, yes, he's only batting 6th or 7th. Regardless, he is an ad. Uh, Merrill Kelly, we'll move on to Merrill Kelly. He gets the Giants in San Francisco tonight. He had a start against them last time out, and I'm not a huge fan of starting guys two nights in a row. It's He's leaning more towards a sit for me. I don't think that he's like a must-sit kind of guy. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm not I'm not suggesting you go out there and start him on a Monday. I just think I, – I like Merrill Kelly a lot. He's been able to have a lot of value on a couple of my teams this season – it's just a little bit out of my comfort zone. So for me personally, he's not going to be a start. I would understand it, but I, I would lean towards putting him down on the bench tonight. Trevor Rogers, he has been added, still being added by people, more than 4,000 leagues. I've totally lost faith in Rodgers. Uh, it's just been too long, too much bullshit throughout the entire season of just not productive play. Marlon's Marlins pitchers don't get a lot of wins. He only had seven last year. He's got four this year. Strikeout numbers are precipitously down. ERA and WHIP are way up. He's ranked outside the top 1,000 on the season. There have been more than 1,000 players who have had more value this season than Trevor Rogers. I'm just kind of at the point where I don't, I don't care anymore. If, even if he turns it around at this point, uh, and I, I don't think he will, but even if he does get a little bit better, I don't think it'll be worth it because we've just seen him be so terrible. Like it's just he's been a nightmare, honestly. Like I say Cobb has been bad, but if you look at Cobb's numbers in comparison, they're much better than Rogers. And I have a lot more faith in Cobb because of the advanced stats. With Rogers, they're all right, the advanced stats. they definitely don't blow you away. Uh, what does blow you away is the 557 ERA and in particular the 1.57 whip. So for me, Rogers, I'm out on him. Yes, it's a decent matchup here against Pittsburgh. If you want to take the chance, I would understand it, but I'm not advocating it. I am I'm out on him personally. Let's now move on to the drops. Covered a lot of those guys who mainly have been added today, the, the top ads, you could say. Uh, let's talk about some guys who have been shed from their respective teams. So Jose Quintana, a lot of people added him just as a Sunday streamer, and he gave up four runs in four and a third yesterday. Did not do you many favors. I personally streamed him in a couple of spots. Did not help out, but at the same time, uh, if you look at what he's done this season, 359 ERA, 78 strikeouts and 85 innings. What's really kept his value down is only winning two games, and that's a byproduct of pitching for the Pirates. He's been thrown around as a potential trade target, and now we've seen injuries to Frankie Montes and Tyler Malley. I think the odds of him getting traded are very good. I know uh, the Blue Jays have been linked to him as a possible trade, and I know a lot of teams are interested in acquiring him and Bednar as a little bit of a combo package there, helping the rotation and also helping the pen. So I'm expecting Quintana to be moved, which will almost undoubtedly move his value up. He'll probably be going to some kind of contender, whether it's the Blue Jays or whoever it is, although the Blue Jays certainly don't look like contenders recently. He'll be going to a better team where there'll be a better chance of him uh, acquiring more victories. So I understand dropping him, but I would also understand holding on for a couple more weeks to, until the trade deadline just because a lot of movement happens in terms of adds and drops after the deadline. Pitchers being moved around mostly, uh, guys being moved from one team to another in terms of their lineup spot. It might help them or it might hurt them. There's a lot of movement that goes on right after the trade deadline. And Quintana is one of those guys I'm expecting to see move around a little bit. So I'm personally holding off a little bit, but I understand it at the same time. I don't think he'll be a hot ad if you drop him. But I think in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to start going that direction. So just something to keep in mind. Mackenzie Gore, he's been dropped. Uh, a lot of people have really given up. I know a lot of people in the comments yesterday on Twitter were talking to me about Mackenzie Gore and how they're dropping him. They, they dropped him at midnight. And it's hard to blame them. He's had some really rough outings recently over the last month, over his last 20 innings pitched. The ERA is currently at 10.18. The whip is at 2.26. He's been rough. He's been he's been very rough recently. There's a chance maybe they take him out of the rotation for a little while. I'm not sure exactly what they do, but there's definitely something that's not working here. Uh, Saturday, he starts at home against the Diamondbacks, which is a decent outing if you want to try and hold on for a bounce back. A lot of you guys were pissed, man, uh, on Twitter yesterday. I was talking about Shane Baz and Mackenzie Gore, and there was like 20 comments on one of my posts talking about, oh, yeah, Gore's on the wire, Gore's getting dropped. I get the frustration, but I'm probably going to be holding on for another start or two here. We've seen really great stuff out of him earlier in the year in particular. I'm not quite at the point of dropping him just yet. Dylan Bundy, he's been dropped quite a bit. He gave up four runs yesterday in five innings. He did get the victory, but overall, it was a streamer. Dylan Bundy, we know who Dylan Bundy is. No need to hold on there. No need to spend any more time on him. Zach Pleszak, he's also been dropped quite a bit. He gave up four runs. Only three of them were earned, though, in his five-inning loss to the Royals. We know who Pleszak is. He's a low-strikeout guy. He has only two victories on the season. So despite his decent ERA and decent whip, there's not much value to be had there. He's more of an advantageous matchup kind of streamer. And with that being said, he does he's lined up anyway to face the Tigers on Friday. So it might be a decent opportunity to hold him there through that start but he's not uh, an overly overly great pitcher, I guess. Uh, poorly phrased, but he's not someone who's really going to give you a ton of fantasy value because of the lack of strikeouts. Really, when you lack strikeouts, you have to be elite in the other categories, and he's pretty good in ERA and whip, but I don't know that he really justifies a long-term roster spot. If you want to hold him for the Tigers' start, I'd be okay with it, but long-term, uh, I think you should be looking for better options than please Zach. Uh, Dane Dunning, he's been dropped... A lot, understandably so. Uh, he had four runs in two and a third innings yesterday. Only strikeout two. Now, we've seen him have some decent strikeout numbers earlier in the year, but they've really fallen off recently over his last 30 innings pitched, only 20 of them. Last year in 117 innings, it was 114 strikeouts, so he's about a strikeout per inning guy that's kind of fallen off a little bit here recently. I am all for dropping him at this point outside of deeper leagues. I know that there's some people recently who've asked me about him and you gave me the option of Dunning versus so-and-so. And And a couple of times I picked Dunning because the other option was just not very good. Uh, I can't remember exactly now who the other options were. I wish I could. Uh, But there was someone recently, uh, I can't remember now, who s- asked about Dunning versus maybe it was maybe it was Stephen Matz. Uh, I can't remember exactly now. But I said pick Dunning, keep Dunning. It was a deeper format. So th- it's not like he's a must-drop, but uh, he's n- definitely not someone who is an essential member of any team at this point, I wouldn't say, outside of maybe very deep leagues. But not a huge Dane Dunning fan, personally. Uh, Nick Pavetta, he has been lit up in a couple of straight starts here. It was bound to happen. I mean, we know who Nick Pavetta is. The ERA has now jumped back over four for the season. I still think he's someone who can have some value. Yes, he's had a couple of rough outings here against the Yankees, which is understandable. And before that, it was against Tampa, who we've mentioned on the show here. They can be very shitty on given nights. They can be exceptional and score more than 10 runs on other nights. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here. I'm not really ready to be dropping him yet. He's still 80% rostered. People still have faith in him. I am one of those people. Wouldn't quite be moving on just yet. Jamison Tyone, who was his counterpart yesterday, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm not really ready to be moving on just yet. He had a tough outing, uh, yes, but we saw a really good version of Tyone earlier in the season. I'm not ready to let go of what we saw earlier yet. Yeah, it's been like four straight bad starts and I understand if you guys wanna move on, but me personally I'm I'm holding him now just for the hope and the prayer that he can return back to that early season form. If you're desperate for for playoff for a playoff spot or you're very behind in your categories for Roto or even for points, whatever the case may be, if you're desperate, I understand moving on from him. But even with these terrible outings this last month or so, he's still just outside of the top 200 for rankings. Now, a good portion of that is because of the victories. But it doesn't really matter where they're coming from, right, where the value comes from. He pitches for a good team. They're going to win a lot of games. And, you know, you have to just take that. It's not always going to be swimming with the ERA and the whip. But even with these this poor month, the ERA is at 4.01 the WHIP is at 1.18 they're still lower than what he was last season for the whole year I'm not quite there yet I'm not ready to drop him I understand it but I'm I'm not I'm not doing it when a guy has shown you what he can do for I mean a good portion of the season having value a, a good 15 starts I tend to believe that that is more the real version than what we've seen recently now there's been some good teams mixed in with some bad teams here recently I just think he needs to get back in his groove but teams that have beaten up on him there's good ones Boston and Houston and Minnesota but there's also you know the Cubs and Oakland and Pittsburgh so he just needs to figure something out I'm not sure how long it'll take him but I'm willing to give him a few more starts here uh, Nick has been dropped quite a bit I would hold on to Nick Lodolo. he gave up three runs in five innings it's not bad. It's really not. I mean, if you look, just look on your whatever site that you use and you see that the ERA yesterday was 5.40, you're like, ah, I don't know. But nine and two-thirds innings since he's come back, 14 strikeouts, I I am more than happy to hold on to Nick Lodolo and watch the progression throughout the season here. One more guy we'll talk about who's been dropped a little bit, and I can't really understand why, is Shane Baz. Uh, like 1,500 teams dropped him yesterday. This is what I mean in terms of the quick reactions that we have here as a fantasy community. As soon as something happens, like the Jonathan Scope stealing bases, we all run to it. Shane Baz has a bad start. We run away from him. It's like Shane Baz is an an elite pitching prospect. He is going to be an absolute stud. No questions asked. He is ridiculous. Some people think he's going to be as good as Shane McClanahan. I don't think he'll be quite that good, but I think he's going to be a stud. One bad start in a hitter-friendly ballpark, and you guys have dropped him. If you dropped Shane Baz yesterday, shame on you. He should not be dropped. If someone in your league dropped Shane Baz, then I hope you jumped on him right away and went and added him because there's no reason why Shane Baz should be on waiver wires. He's still 80-plus percent rostered. Most people are not doing this, but if you are one of those people doing it, go back and add him again, even if you dropped him. I I don't understand it it's just for me, it's it's too knee-jerky. I talk about this quite a bit on the show, these knee-jerk reactions. I don't get them. You need to show a little bit more patience. It's just something that needs to be done in all fantasy sports, but specifically here with baseball, where you see guys go on cold stretches and hot stretches, you can't overreact to the newest, hottest thing. Let's leave the waiver wire alone there. That is pretty much going to cover it. We'll move on to our 2 start pitchers for the week. I'm not going to cover every single one here because obviously you're going to be starting Aaron Nola and Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer. Those aren't the ones that there's much debate about. Now, there are a couple of guys who there is some debate about. Chris Sale is projected to start twice this week against Tampa and New York. This is a tricky one. I'd say I'd lean towards sitting him, though. I don't see him going too, too deep in these games. Very tough opponents, specifically the Yankees at Yankee Stadium there. I'm probably going to lean towards sitting Chris Sale. And, you know, if he if he's great, then he's great. I just think we should give him a, a week or so of major league hitting just to really get himself back on track. So for me, he's a sit. Miles Michaelis, he gets Philadelphia and Cincinnati. For me, that's a start. I'm going to be starting him. Uh, they're, both matchups are at home here. That's an absolute start for me. Uh, he's been, He's proven it. He's proven himself this season. Philadelphia strikes out a lot. Cincinnati's not the greatest lineup, especially away from home. Uh, I'll be f- happily starting Michaelis this week. John Gray, Seattle and Atlanta. He is a start for me there. He's been really good recently, so no reason not to start him. Although Seattle's been very strong, and Atlanta is always pretty strong, so there is that risk. But for me, uh, Gray has earned himself a start this week. Jose Barrios. Man. He gets Philadelphia and Kansas City. He's been very disappointing, to say the least. He's coming off of a good start here against uh, Oakland this last time out. I'm just not... I don't know. That Oakland team was really bad. That Oakland team is, I don't know, a -A, double-A, triple-A team. Maybe not double-A. They're like a triple-A team. I'm going to be starting him most likely because it is two starts. One of them is against fairly poor Kansas City. I'm just... I don't know, he's shaken my faith a little bit this season. Yes, I'll be starting him, but I'm not going to be feeling too great about it just because of everything we've seen. Now, People smarter than I am who've been in this industry a lot longer than I am say that he will turn it around. I am inclined to believe them because they know more than I do, but I'm still worried. I'll start him, but I'm going to be a little... I'd much prefer to do it in a daily changes league, sit him against Philly, start him against Kansas City. But if it's a weekly change and you don't have a choice... Uh, Barrios would be a start for me. Corey Kluber is the next guy we'll talk about. He's going to be a sit because, A, uh, while well he gets Boston and Baltimore first off, Baltimore has been really hot. Baltimore is like one eight in a row or something. Boston, they're a little streaky offensively, but for the most part, they're pretty solid. So I'm not going to be risking it with Kluber this week. I'm going to be having him on the bench. Uh, Shaw Mania, he gets Colorado and Arizona. Colorado at Coors and Arizona at home. A little bit risky for me, but I'm going to be starting him here. I, I'm happy enough with what he's given us this year that I'll risk a Coors start, and you get to balance that out with an Arizona start later in the week. Cal Quantrill, he gets the White Sox and Detroit. I think he's an interesting option this week. I think if you are inclined to stream early in the week and get a two-start guy, uh, he has as good of a matchup duo as you're going to find here. So Quantrill, for me, is a decent option. Merrill Kelly, we already talked about. San Fran and San Diego, both on the road. I'd lean more towards sitting him, honestly. Uh, David Peterson, he gets Atlanta and Chicago, both on the road. David Peterson, I would probably start just because of how solid he has been. He's, he's earned it. So, yes, uh, Peterson, for me, is a start. Chris Flexen, Washington and Texas, decent matchups. I'd lean towards starting him. I don't think that you really have to one way or the other. If your team is not a massive strikeout team and you kind of just punch strikeouts, then that's fine. If you're a team that kind of needs those extra strikeouts off the waiver wire to really thrive, then there's probably going to be some better matchups throughout the week than Flexin. Uh, That's most of the main ones. I mean, Alex Cobb, Arizona and Milwaukee. Yes, I'm going to be starting him. Uh, Brian Bayo, Tampa and New York. No, I'm going to be sitting him down for that one. Trevor Rogers, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. I already talked about. I am out on him, like no chance on Trevor Rogers for me. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. Those are the guys who there is some questions about. Uh, other guys, you're, you're going to be starting them, right? We already mentioned uh, Scherzer and Cole and Shane Bieber has two starts. Logan Webb, Max Freed, uh, Dylan C, Spencer Strider. These guys you're going to be starting. So there's not really too much time you need to spend on them. Last thing we will do before we go today is talk about my pitching matchup of the day. It will be out in Atlanta tonight, Max Scherzer and Max Fried, Max Squared, I guess you could call it. Really corny, sorry about that. Max Fried has been outstanding this season. 2.52 ERA, 100 strikeouts in 107 innings, only 6 home runs allowed. He's been everything you could hope for as a Braves fan and as a fantasy manager. Tough matchup here against uh, the Mets. And we've seen him have some lower strikeout numbers these last couple of times out, four and four. Luck to see more of a return to form from Freed here. Uh, he's he's really a lot of fun to watch. And Scherzer on the other side. We saw him come back against Cincinnati in a fairly really tough ballpark. And, you know, go six strong, two hits, strikeout 11. No reason to think that he is not max. Uh, he is not back, I should say. He is still max. He is definitely back after that last start. I would be happily starting Scherzer here, happily starting Freed, and you know settling down in front of the TV with a beer and watching this one because this one is going to be should be a very entertaining matchup. Two teams that are both fighting for the lead in the NL East. They're separated by I think a game and a half. Uh, Technically, it is yeah a game and a half. Fifty three and thirty three Mets, fifty two and thirty five Braves. This one I'm very interested in watching. Make sure you're there for it. You're not going to want to miss it. Out of all the pitching matchups today. Not really anything else that's too impressive. Uh, Aaron Nola and Miles Michaelis is the only one that's even kind of close to it. And for me, I'm going to be watching Scherzer there. That's just my preference anyway. Not too many Scherzer starts left in the career. If you look at the percentage of total starts, uh, he's like 37 years old. I'm not going to see him start too, too many more games. A couple more seasons, maybe. Uh, I'm going to take every chance that I can to watch him while he's still out there. Guys, Thank you for kicking off your week with us. If you're new to the show, I really appreciate you checking us out. If you haven't already, drop a five-star review down below. That really helps us out to grow here. Still in the fairly early going. I think we're in episode 81 or so, which sounds like a lot, but we do them every single day, so that's why the numbers are piling on. If you are not a subscriber to the show, hit the plus button on your app, so even if you don't get a chance to listen one day, you're still downloading it. Makes me very happy to see those download numbers still continue to climb uh, throughout the season here. We're expecting them to go down. You know, I thought we'd see a nice little bump around draft season and then they'd go down, but they've sustained. Uh, they've gone up in some weeks. They're lower in other weeks. But on the whole, we're sustaining slash adding viewers here. So thank you to you guys who listen, who shoot me questions on Twitter. You guys are the good ones. If you're still listening at this point, you are a very good one. You've listened to me talk for 45 minutes now. I really appreciate that. As always... Hit me up on Twitter. Like I said, Arico 99 That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. If you stuck around this far, you'll actually get a couple of more little announcements. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield will be our guest this week. Ryan was our very first guest way back in April. He is with Baseball HQ, one of the senior guys over at Baseball HQ. And he is one of the best baseball minds in the industry. You know him from his bloom boards, which are graphs that he puts out that are very visually appealing. Sometimes on Twitter, usually they're for Baseball HQ subs on their website. Wherever you see them, uh, Ryan puts out great content. He's also on Bench with Bubba. He is on the Bubba and the Bloom segments, I believe, once a a week. And that leads me into my second little announcement. I am going to be on Bench with Bubba this Wednesday. I'm not sure about the time yet. Uh, We're still settling that. It probably will be in the evening at some point and then put out on podcasting platforms later on in the week. So go ahead and follow the Bench with Bubba podcast. If you're not already, Bubba's a great dude. And be chatting with him Wednesday. You guys can listen either Wednesday evening, night, slash, Thursday on your Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen. So make sure you guys are doing all that stuff. You follow, you download, you subscribe, all of that great stuff. We will see you again tomorrow. I hope everybody has a great day. Cheers.